Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who loves wrestling with God's true intention for religion and church. My friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Yo, Irish. So, Father Len, we we had this conversation the other day. I don't know exactly how it got started, where I I was uh, kind of curious about God's intention for church, why God would want a church and the purpose of religion and why we would need this in the first place. What was the intention for starting a church? And and it began a, a really fascinating conversation that I think I'd like to have us share with our listeners. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, you know, why religion? Because you have everything you need. You have indoor plumbing and Netflix and a comfy couch. So you got everything. But why religion? And the real answer, the short answer is because humanity needs oneness. And just want to start with a story. One of my friends and I were in Idaho Falls. We were taking a walk around the river walk. That's what we did in the evening time. A lot of people did. And as we're passing by this one little storefront, he says, oh, that's where his girlfriend's church used to be. And I said, oh, wow. And he had been dating her for years since high school. And he said, you know, yeah, that really irritates me. And I didn't understand why. So I said, you know, why? And he says, because she's always bugging me to join her church. And he said, I had to tell her, I may not be a good Catholic, but I will live and die as a Catholic. (laughs) And I had never heard this before when he said, no, I can tell you exactly what happens because having dated her for years, it's always the same story that they'll find this new pastor and start this new church. And they're just so excited about it. And then two or three years go by and suddenly that pastor is, you know, unorthodox or horrible. And the whole community splits apart. He said, you know, they split everything the chairs, the tables, a little tiny table, every pencil is divided up. <laughs> and, you know, that guy was that and those people were horrible. So we're starting our own. It's always wonderful. And they're on one side of the fence or another. But over and over again, they keep, you know, a couple of years go by a new pastor, you know, new religious figure, uh, and it all breaks apart. I've experienced this exact same thing in my family with my kids, you know, who were brought up Catholic, but they've kind of wandered out and gotten involved in other churches, but they tend to move, you know, I mean, something something causes them to go, this church I loved last week isn't quite what I thought it is, so I'm going to move down the street to another one. And they keep breaking up into smaller and smaller and smaller fragments. And it's always, you know, this rejection process. And I hadn't seen it until he mentioned that, but there's no oneness. So think about this. When Christ comes, Christ wants to start one church. He's very specific about one church that is universal, welcomes everybody. So Christ wants one church. All the apostles want one church, except now, you know, 2000 years later, starting with Luther, started to break apart. And now there's over... 400,000 different denominations, absolutely no oneness. And everything is defined by what or who you're against, which only leads to smaller and smaller tribes and less and less oneness. And 
unfortunately, they're using religion to define yourself by what you're against. And the result is more and more tribal mentality. It's a closed system. You always end up with this closed system and it's the only way that they experience God, which is not God. God is not a closed system because Christ keeps pushing for a very open system. He loves to welcome everyone and it gets the Pharisees really upset. He welcomes everyone, the lost, the hungry, the tax collectors, prostitutes, Canadians. It doesn't matter who they are. And a tribal idea of religion has no mystery of God to it. All it has is hard opinions. That's not good. Mystery is not being able to understand God, but to endlessly explore God. So God becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, and we become more and more humble. But religion that is used to defining just who you're against, it's really all about opinions. Yeah, so who you're working. against or what you're against, right? Yeah, that's all it is. And so, you know, my friend Pat is right. It just keeps breaking apart. And so I just want to start, well, in that sense, what good is religion? But the problem is God is relationship. God is not about rejection. So John the Cross said, God cannot be known just as facts. God can only be loved because God is perfect, loving relationship. God is a trinity. So the book of wisdom says God doesn't reject anybody. We reject God. So I just think like the mistake they're making first about religion is why religion, if it just keeps more and more denominations fighting against each other. But if a church solidarity is based on who you reject, you will always miss the God who is a Trinity, perfect loving relationship. So rather than have a theology of who you're against, like the word Catholic even means universal. So we'd say, well, that's a different source of oneness. And for the person who, like the person says, well, why religion? What is, what good is religion? You know, religion was intended to bring about was this oneness among humanity. The problem is that especially young people, they look for other sources of oneness. Some think, you know, if you just turn to the right political leader, then we'll be united. And some think, if you could just everybody march in the street, then we'll have unity. And some think, some think that if you have unity, then everybody will behave the same and everybody will follow the rules and then we'll have unity. But historically, if you really look at history, all those types of unity are not based on a divine and it always falls apart. Doesn't matter if it's the French Revolution, Tower of Babel, communism, there's endless examples of history that any unity based on something external, culture, language, political philosophy, it actually, like my friend's church, it always splinters apart. And, and I know some very energetic and vocal people who define themselves by what they're against. They're against child poverty or against military intervention or against religion or against discrimination. And it'd be wonderful if all those energetic people against things would also put some energy into moving forward for something. Just being against things won't change the world. Now, some of the things they're against, it's often a band-aid that's really necessary, but it's never a solution. It may be necessary to address these things, but it never 
is a permanent solution. The give, solution us, give us an example of the Band-Aid. Okay. So let's say I'm against childhood poverty. I could march against it, speak against it, but it really won't end. It'll forestall it and slow it down. But it, it's nothing enough to unite a whole people against something. It just is a small dam that allows for less childhood poverty, but it doesn't eliminate it. And once the dam breaks, and it will, because you've just made it about something external, you know, give it some time, childhood poverty will come back again. So it's a nice Band-Aid, but it doesn't really fix the solution. And all the solutions of every injustice, they will end when we're all united at a deeper level, not just united against something, but united by something. And humanity's great evolutionary anthropological advantage is oneness is our strength as a species. We're the most social species on the planet. And maybe religion, and I do believe this, religion is this internal connection of oneness among everyone. What if everybody looked at each other as brothers and sisters? So uh, evolutionarized, oneness is our strength. It's not survival of the fittest or survival of the most dangerous. Even Darwin talked about this. It's a survival of those who you can unite. So humanity's great strength has always been our unity with each other. So if humanity attains more oneness, injustice, whether it be social or personal, will be eliminated. And then we can really thrive. And so when I say oneness, it's the oneness really of God. Now, there's a story, plenty of stories of mystics, and I'll give you one. One is, his name is Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton was this intellectual, I forget what university, Harvard or Yale, he was going to, and he was raised without any religion. And he was a party animal. My mother actually knows somebody whose mother knew Thomas Merton, and she was shocked that he becomes this 1960 spiritual leader because he was at one when he was in college, superficial and a partier like who isn't. But anyhow, he's in college and he's not even Catholic. He's basically agnostic atheist. And he hears this voice that says, go to mass. So that was kind of freaky. So he goes to mass and then later he's not Catholic Later, he's going to Mass, but he just sits through it. And in Cuba, he had this kind of mystical experience where the Eucharist burst into light. Then he becomes Catholic and then becomes this monk, uh, this actually pretty famous monk out of Kentucky. Even Martin Luther King went on a retreat there and was his spiritual advisor. And he became this great spirit because after years of praying in the monastery, he actually goes, I think, to Louisville. And I think it's a corner of Walnut and Fourth, if I remember. And the day before he goes, he has this dream at night where he sees this little girl. And he says, oh, you're a pretty little girl. And the girl says, yeah, but nobody ever notices me. And he said, well, what's your name? And she said, my name is Proverbs, which is wisdom, the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. I just said, nobody really pays attention to the Holy Spirit. So the next day he goes to Louisville and on the corner, suddenly he could see this girl, this light inside of other people. 
And when he looks at people, he said, people are walking around as bright as the sun. And he said, it's like he woke from this dream of separateness where in the conscious world, we're all separate and and tiny and individual. But in this mystical vision, he suddenly saw how everybody's united together. The Holy Spirit is burning inside all of them, Mm -hmm. which makes all of us one, even people in distant islands, you know, the poor suffering in, you know, Africa or wherever that we're all one. And that's where his spirituality takes on this social justice bent that why do we feed the poor? Because they are us. I am them and they are me. We are all one in the Holy spirit in Christ. And so uh, he takes on this that, ah, like to me, that's a perfect example that why did God, create a church? Why did Christ want one? To have this mystical union that will eliminate every social injustice. Now, there's plenty of mystics throughout the centuries who had similar insights. But rather than trying to change the world by being against something, what religion does, religion's main purpose that Christ started was really oneness. And even at the Last Supper, in the Gospel of John, Jesus goes into this long prayer. Now, admittedly, most people skip over it because apparently they seem bored by it. <laughs> so they skip over his prayer, but it's this long prayer at the Last Supper. And we're allowed to hear what God is praying for. And it's kind of interesting. The main point is God is praying that we may become one. So every time Catholics go to Mass, in the Eucharistic prayer, we continue Christ's prayer that all of us may become one. So working towards division is not part of Christ's prayer and hope. Now, doubtlessly, you're going to probably quote to me because I'm defensive. Christ's words, I have not come to bring peace but division. But I think that takes the quote out of context. Christ is against peace at any price. Christ is against unity at any price. Christ wants unity and peace based on the Holy Spirit. That's what he's praying for. So it's God who becomes the source of our unity and peace. And you'll notice that huge theme throughout the Bible. Even St. Paul, he overemphasizes the word one. It keeps coming up. We'll say one, we're baptized in one spirit, one font, one cup that we share in, one bread that we share, one Lord. And he uses the word one, one, one all the time. And that's because before his conversion, St. Paul believed that the church is made stronger by rejecting other people. He was for persecution. After his conversion, where He has this mystical experience of Christ, where his mystical experience, he sees the oneness of all those who he was persecuting. So after that, Paul devotes his life, in one sense, to creating oneness. And right from the beginning of the Bible, what God wants most is a united family. That's a theme of the Old Testament. Over and over, God wants all of us to look at each other as brothers and sisters. There's not different races or tribes. We're all one family that are supposed to care for each other. Or the theme of God wants to marry us, where all of us are completely united. So back in the Garden of Eden, or I should say Garden at Eden, all humanity is united. That's what we are meant to be. And heaven, if you look at the images of heaven in the Bible, is ultimate unity, where all of us are one with each other and one with God. So from the beginning to end of scripture, God's purpose for religion 
one of the main purposes is oneness. The scripture makes it clear there's only one true unity, and that's from the Holy Spirit, and we commit ourselves to it in the Eucharist. It's a Eucharistic Christ that causes our unity, this oneness in our soul. So like, what is the purpose of religion? Yeah, the purpose of religion is this oneness, where if we truly look at each other as one and can gain that, well, then all injustices, poverties, harshness, all that will end. So we strive to be united in love. The problem is we fight about silly things. Like there's this great quote I like from St. Augustine where he says, in non-essentials, liberty, in essentials, unity, but in all things, love. Like non-essential parts of religion, let's not squibble and fight. Uh, If you believe that, I believe this. There's, There's a lot in religion that is just not essential. But there's a lot in religion that is essential. Let's just be united in the important things, but in all things love. So that's what we Catholics call hierarchy of truths. And that's kind of a different podcast. But we believe that some things are really, really important and other things just are not that important. So back to my friend's girlfriend, like many religious people who think the church is based on rejection. And the problem is that If you live that kind of church, your church makes the smallest difference in the world. From the beginning and end to scripture, God's purpose is oneness. The more and more we become one with each other, the more cruelty and injustice and all the problems of the world start to fade away. What God desires most is oneness. So if I'm sitting on my couch uh, watching Netflix, well, if all I'm concerned about is myself, then the world is going to be endless problems. Yep. In fact, we were talking about that this morning, and it seems to be on the rise in the United States because just on the way here at a school down the way, there's this... A school here in, in Boise where we're yeah, doing our just, podcast? Yeah. So there's just down the street, and it blocked up all the traffic because one parent, <laughs> one parent tried to drive up the do not enter way, and then pull a Yui. And it wasn't an accident. They wanted to drop their kid off and they weren't going to wait in line. But the problem is it backed up all this traffic. Sounds kind of strange. And that's somebody like many in the world who just think of themselves. Yeah. That uh, all they can think about is in the tiniest, well, I got my Netflix. I need to get my son dropped off because I ha- I'm more important than everybody else. There's no oneness there. And over and over the all the injustice of the world come about because I can't see that that other person is me. The thing that, that you've said that really resonates with me is that when you're a part of a group that is against something, it is divisive. You're going to divide. You have to find it's, it's like God, you know, when, when asked, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? And he talks about love. Love is totally uniting. There's no litmus test for who or how you should love. You need to love everybody. There's nothing, there's no against this or that or whatever. And, it, you know, as I think about it, my experience with my kids and other people having conversations about religion, it is about the stuff around the edges that divides us and puts us into these tribes i'm against this little thing we never we never talk about what it is we have in common or what we believe together 
it's this, and, and, and I guess it is a pretty selfish thought too. You know, I'm against this, so I can't be a part of you if you're not against this with me. I, I think that's a really powerful thing to think about when you decide what church you're going to be a part of, why you're going to be a part of it, and what is the point of church in the first place? I know if church is just about me going to heaven, that's so selfish and ignorant. The guy that thinks that he can drive up the one way because he's better than, in some ways has the same exact philosophy of those, like my friend's girlfriend, who religion is defined by how it serves me. Yep. What if, what if we all became mystics like Thomas Merton, that I saw that oh, my life and your life are intimately bound. Whatever happens to that child who's poor, that is me. I, that, I'm in a deep relationship there. So, I have to. So what is, from the very beginning, human beings were meant to live in this mystical union with each other and God and have complete care for each other. Our future, that's our future as well. So in between the two is religion. And the main purpose of religion is to bring about this oneness that will eliminate, yeah, poverty and racism and cruelty and war. Not by saying, well, I'm against this and against that. It's by what we're for. Yep. Well, I hope this inspires all of us to think about what we're for and to kind of put aside what we're against, whether we're religious or or something else. I just think that's a great philosophy. So we welcome your comments and questions. It's easy to get those to us. You just pop us an email at questions at www.gshow.com. It's questions at www.gshow.com. And if you're enjoying our Wrestling with God show, please share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people discover us. And by the way, subscribing is free. Now they've kind of done away with that at most of these podcast distribution places. They call it following. So if you follow us, it'll guarantee that you'll know whenever we publish a new episode. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, purpose, and unity in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time.